It's amazing to me how many people desire to grow in their walk with God, regardless of where they are in the journey. So they ask for more faith. Many people pray for it. Other people say, if I come to church, maybe I'll just serendipitously get it. However, the scripture is very clear about how we get more faith. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God as Romans chapter 10 verse 17 reminds us. So our prayer for you as you hear this message is that your faith would go from where it is to where God intends it to be. Grow as you hear this word. It is nothing in the world like seeing your baby have a baby. And, uh, and I mean, I've cried. I've, 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 this, I, 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 she's the prettiest baby that's ever been born. I mean, other than my daughter, she's the prettiest baby that's ever been born. Has never been a prettier, uh, grandbaby. So thank you so much for all of you all that have been prayerful and all of you all that are continuing to pray, uh, for mommy and baby and daddy, uh, as we continue to grow as a family. Amen. Can we give God glory for his goodness? Amen. You all, I'm so thankful for you as a church being uh, willing to be the kind of church that loves to be taught, uh, that loves to learn. The Bible says in all of your getting, get an understanding. And it's, it's critical, you all, that in these times, especially when the questions have become bigger and the issues have become so kind of convoluted, that we begin to have what I call and what many call a biblical worldview. That means that we begin to look at the world and look at the things around us, look at the issues of the day, not through our opinion, not through news media, not even through government, uh, but through the lens of scripture. I went to see a movie this week uh, that's out at the theaters. Uh, It's actually a a movie highlighting uh, uh, John MacArthur's church, the Grace Community Church. It's called The Essential Church. Uh, I really recommend those of you all that are able to go to the theater and to support that, but also to check it out because you really... uh, I won a case in the state of uh, California. How many of y'all know California is a very liberal state? Uh, But he won a case uh, because during the pandemic, now listen, regardless of where you sit on masks and not masks, that wasn't the issue. But during the pandemic, and you all remember this, I remember this. During the pandemic, governments were opening up casinos and strip clubs, but keeping churches closed. Do y'all remember that? Some of y'all may not remember that, but when they lifted the regulations uh, for people to gather, they were allowing certain places to gather that they considered to be essential, but they felt like the church was not essential. And since the church was not essential, it uh, it, it had to abide by all of the other regulations. Anyway, uh, John MacArthur said uh, that regardless of what society says or regardless of what the government says, uh, when the Lord says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together uh, as many others have done, but come together, uh, he said, we have an allegiance to a Lord greater than that of Caesar. We have an allegiance to a Lord greater than that of government. And the bottom line is that the government had to pay him millions of dollars uh, because uh, he won the case uh, saying that the church was indeed essential. What am I saying? A A biblical worldview, a biblical approach to issues of the day will help you to be able to give a response when people ask you, what, what do you think about this? And you might say, listen, my opinion doesn't matter. Uh, I choose to respond uh, according to God's word. So you all, we've been in a series on the Bible and we've been talking about the Bible and uh, patriarchy, the Bible and slavery, the Bible and misogyny. We've been talking about the Bible basically connected to subject matters. And today, you all, I'm excited to share this subject today, the Bible and life. Say it with me, the Bible. Okay, say it with me like out loud. The Bible and life. Okay, you all, uh, let me give you a definition of life. Life is the organismic state characterized by capacity for metabolism, growth, reaction to stimuli, and reproduction. So any living thing uh, is, is characterized by metabolism and growth, reaction to stimuli, and the ability to reproduce. And so that is the definition for what life is. And now you all, when we talk about life, and particularly the life of humanity, I want to share with you all some views that are out there that are non-biblical views. Uh, I think it's important to not just always give what we believe, uh, which is 
critical, but also to understand what are other people talking about and how do other people view the subject so that we can also kind of understand how our view may differ from theirs. All right, so let me share with you all some non-biblical views about life. Uh, some believe, you all, that life does not begin until after the infant is born, and life does not begin until the infant is able, some believe, to live without the assistance of his or her mother. So there are people that actually believe that life uh, does not begin until the child is here and able to actually be uh, able to sustain itself or herself uh, without the assistance of a mother. And that is a view that is out there. There's another view called quickening, quickening. Uh, and for thousands of years, society recognized a, a pregnancy as living when a woman could feel the baby moving inside of her. And this moment of tangible evidence for life was known or called quickening. Uh, as my daughter uh, was getting bigger and bigger, uh, I would sometimes touch her stomach and feel little Ella moving around. And, and some would say that it's not at conception, but at the moment that you could feel the baby moving, that the baby is actually alive or is, uh, has life. There's another uh, view you all call the, uh, the view of first breath, and this has actually been uh, kind of uh, instituted by a protagonist of Christianity. And listen, you all, and I, I enjoy sometimes listening to those who attack uh, the things of God, attack the Bible, attack the scriptures, uh, because I think it's important to understand that those people really believe what they believe. Uh, how many of y'all know that there are people who don't go to church? How many of y'all believe that there are people that don't believe in Jesus? How many of y'all know there are people in your family that don't believe in Jesus? All right. So, so there are people around us who don't believe what we believe. And it's important, you all, if we're to win souls. We talked about it at the beginning of the year that we want to be a soul-winning church. And sometimes, y'all, we think soul-winning means knocking on a door, uh, giving somebody a track, having them repeat a prayer, and that's the end of having, well, I just won their soul. Well, you all, the soul is a lot more complex than somebody just saying something in the doorway. The soul is how a person thinks, the soul is how a person feels, and then thusly the decisions that they make uh, as a result of how they feel and think. So winning a soul means helping to win their intellect, win over their emotion and fidelity that will ultimately change their decision making. So to win a soul uh, requires a lot of knowledge, and you cannot win someone's intellect when you don't know how they think so it's important to understand that. All right, I brought my amens with me. I got a grandbaby with me. I don't care. She, she says she likes me if y'all don't like me. All right, so uh, uh, there's a guy by the name of John Fugelslang. Uh, he, he attempts to show a contradiction between the pro-life Christian belief and, uh, that life begins at conception and what he thinks uh, the Bible calls life at first breath. And so according to Genesis 2, and you know this, uh, God breathed into Adam, forming him out of the dust and he came to life you know you remember that God uh, took uh, the dirt he, 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 he built up this man out of the dirt and then the Bible says and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and then Adam became a living soul and so this guy says see uh, life does not begin at conception life begins at first breath where you all that's not what that was really about. This was the first time a person had ever been made and the first time a human had ever been made and God never breathed into a dog. God never breathed into a, an ostrich. God never breathed into a pterodactyl. God breathed into a man the breath of life. And when he breathed into the man the breath of life, he then said, now you go out and you reproduce after your own kind. And so after I breathed into you the breath of life, giving you now, watch this, a soul which other, other living things, that because we do know that animals are alive, and I hate to break your heart, uh, I, I, your, your dog don't have a soul. I'm so sorry. I know, listen, I, I know you want your dog. Listen, I, I, I got a dog. I know you want your dog to have a soul, uh, but your dog does not have a soul. Whether or not your dog going to be in heaven, I don't know that, but I do know that Jesus did not come to redeem Fido and, and, and Kitty Kitty. All right, all right, so just know that. All right, all right. So here it is, you all. He breathed into Adam, and Adam became a living soul. This guy says then 
wait a minute, then, then life is not at conception. It's when the baby starts breathing. Uh, not a complete comparison because one is the first time a human ever had life, which was the breath of God, uh, and the other is actually uh, when a child uh, is now taking his or her first breath. So he says that actually that is a biblical proof text that life does not begin at conception, but only when the baby takes the first breath. Um, there's another different uh, biblical view you all lift, lifted out of Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 5. And I just want you to hear this scripture, uh, Ecclesiastes 11 and 5. And this scripture says, as you do not know the way the spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. So in Ecclesiastes, this book of wisdom, as Solomon is writing about these wise sayings, uh, it says that we don't know how the spirit operates and we don't know which way he comes. Just like it says, uh, the bones of a woman uh, uh, in the womb of a child receives the spirit. So it says that bones are already there there and the spirit comes later so that's a, a view that many have based on their view of ecclesiastes 11 and 5 that there can be bones in the womb of a woman and those bones don't have the spirit until later that's a view um and then you all, uh, uh, I, I, I not only look at sometimes the people who look at scriptures and, and, I, and in my in, in opinion, mis, misinterpret them, but I also look to science. Now, let me just say this, you all, as I get ready to talk about what science says, whether you all know it or not, science aligns with the Bible more than you think. Uh, you, you all, let me just say this, you will think based on watching TV and watching the media, that certain conversations and certain ideologies and certain movements are actually bigger than they really are. Because there are certain people, although the, the group of them may be small or the ideas may be small, because Satan is the prince of the power of the atmosphere, he controls media. You better hear me. He controls information. He controls the ways in which stuff is communicated out into the world. And so there'll be people that will think that no scientist will ever believe that life begins at conception. No scientist will ever believe that life begins the moment that you're conceived. Uh, but you all, that is an erroneous thing. Because let me share with you all some things that you probably know. Uh, ultrasound. How many of y'all uh, ladies ever had an ultrasound when y'all having your baby? All right. Uh, in, in, in ultrasound technology was first applied to the field of medicine by Ian Donald in 1956. Uh, of course, the wider use of ultrasound for viewing the preborn child didn't really occur until the 70s. All right. So ultrasound now has been able to help us understand some things. Now, life in the womb is detectable as early as 8 to 12 days post-conception. This is a fact that ultrasounds are able to pick up 8 to 12 days post-conception uh, the, the, uh, the, the life of the womb that is there. Additionally, evidence of pre-born life can now be viewed through 2D, 3D, and 4D ultrasounds. How many of y'all know back in the day when you had that little ultrasound picture, you could barely, that, that, that's him, see, that's him. You couldn't really see it, but, but, you, you know, you, but now you all, they've got 3D and 4D technology that you can see the baby inside of the womb, I mean, with face and nose and all of that. And so, you all, there is proof uh, that even at eight days that, that the womb is now developing life. Uh, there's a, a, a term called mysterious light, you all. And scientists were able to record uh, that bursts of light or fireworks made of zinc occur at the moment of conception. And researchers say that spark of light hints at the health and the viability of an egg. So the moment that conception happens, scientists have been able to see that there's this mysterious light or this burst of, 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 of energy that's primarily made of zinc that happens at conception. Uh, as a matter of fact, science has recorded this surge of energy at conception and a potential, watch this now, and a potential loss of that same energy at death. So science is saying that at the moment of conception, there is this fireworks, there's this energy that is being picked up, but then at death, that energy, that light is lost. These occurrences may provide general parameters for the beginning and the end of 
human life. Well, some of y'all say, well, I don't know about all that, Pastor. Uh, but let, let me share with y'all about genetics and biology. Dr. Jerome Lejeune, the father of modern genetics, stated to, ex listen, this, listen, this is the father of modern genetics. This isn't a pastor. This isn't a bishop. This isn't uh, some preacher. This is a scientist. Uh, Brother Lejeune says this, to accept the fact that after fertilization has taken place, a new human has come into being is no longer a matter of taste or opinion. It is plain experimental evidence. Each individual has a very neat beginning at conception. So this scientist, you all, doesn't necessarily know the Lord, not trying to push a biblical worldview, but he's saying that as a geneticist, as a person who is a biologist, I'm able to stay without the shadow of a doubt that at the beginning of conception, life begins. In the medical textbook, The Developing Human, uh, the medical textbook, so those that want to, and what I love about giving these things is that you can go on your own and look this stuff up. Let me just say this, you all. I don't care who your pastor or your preacher is. You better read stuff on your own. You know how cults start? Cults start when you just bobblehead, uh-huh, uh-huh, and you don't know if the person is saying nothing or not. That's why I'm like, open your Bible. I could be reading something to you saying it's out of the Bible, and it could be out of the Quran. You wouldn't, you wouldn't even know because you don't even have a Bible that you even own. And, and listen, you don't even got to own a physical Bible no more. It's in your doggone phone on an app. You mean to tell me you, you are playing Sudoku and uh, uh, Angry Birds and Candy Crush and you ain't got a Bible? I ain't got time for that. All right. Uh, the Developing Human, the book The Developing Human says, clinically oriented embryology says... Human development begins at fertilization. This highly specialized, totipotent cell marked the beginning of each of us as a unique individual. So this book, The Developing Human, says that literally at fertilization, this specialized cell marks the beginning of life. Not only that, you all, there's another book uh, entitled uh, Before We Are Born. It's a medical textbook, Before We Are Born, and it says this. Embryology is concerned with the origin and development of a human, human being from zygote to birth. It goes on to say that there are different opinions of when an embryo becomes a human being because opinions are often affected by religious and personal views. The scientific answer is that the embryo is a human being from the time of fertilization because of its human chromosomal constitution. The zygote is the beginning of a developing human. Now, let me tell you what I know right now. Let me tell you what I feel in my spirit. I'm a pastor. I'm spiritual in my spirit. What I, what I feel in my spirit is that uh, many people, when they hear a, a, a subject matter of the Bible and life, you automatically think politics. You automatically think you're pushing a angle. You're, you're pushing a political view. You're pushing some kind of a, 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 an agenda uh, to push some legislation through or something like that. Listen, you all, policies and legislation flow from people who have ideologies. Let me say that again. Policies and legislations flow from people who think about subject matters a certain way. And let me just say this to you all. I'm just going to put it out here now. There's a reason why uh, there's one party. I'm not saying the party is better or worse. I'm not saying it. But there's one reason where, where one party seems to seem so vigilant and so diligent about the issue of life and the issue of, of about abortion, and the issue is not about against women. It's not against your uh, ability as a woman to make a decision and this, that. It's not even about you. It's about life. It's about the child. It's about birth. What, it, what, what ends up happening is you're like, wait a minute, you're making me have to make a choice between this embryo or this baby and me. And I'm saying, why does it have to be two different conversations? We ain't talking about you right now. Why does it, why everything got to be about you? Why does everything have to be about you and how it affects you? We are talking about where does life 
began. And let me just say this now. If you do not believe that life begins at conception, it means that you do not believe that anybody that is carrying a baby or carrying anything, that that is even worth being protected, worth being preserved, or worth living. If I don't think that an embryo is a life, then there is no guilt in killing it. Let me just say this. <laughs> there are people that think that certain people groups are not worth living. And they profile them and shoot them down like dogs in the street. And we get upset and we march and we get angry over the fact that how in the world can you look at one person and decide that that person is more worthy than another. And we'll cry out and we'll march and we'll shout and we'll tear stuff down. We'll burn stuff up over the fact that we don't want to be mistreated and have one person valued over another. But what about the baby who can't speak? What about the child who cannot speak? Now, I'm just saying this, you all. I don't know where you land on the subject matter, but I am talking not about a Citadel, a Citadel view, a Harvey Carey view. I'm getting ready to talk about a biblical view. So whether, listen, whether you like what's being said or not, take it up with God and ask God, why did you get ready to say what I'm getting ready to read to you? Because God is very clear about where life begins. <laughs> Some of us don't like when God says stuff, don't we? Come on, don't look at me like that. Listen, we like God to say stuff we like. Right? We like God to say, we, we like to quote them scriptures that's going to get a blessing, right? You know, the Lord is able to do exceeding and abundantly above everything I ask. Whatever, whatever I ask, ask it in his name and I shall receive it. I could be drunk as a dog. I could never come to church. I could watch online for months and I can do what I want. I can be drinking some Hennessy while I'm listening to Pastor Kerry. But God better answer me. And he be oh, God better not do nothing. You got to line up with God and you got to see what God's word says. And don't you dare think that you can change one dot or one tittle of the word of God. The Bible says the heavens and the earth will pass away, but my words will remain forever so I'm gonna cry it from the mountains I'm gonna preach it when it's popular I'm gonna preach it when it's not popular whether you come to the church whether you stop coming whether you get mad at me I'm not preaching for your approval one day I'll stand before him and I've got to give an account for what I'm saying to y'all and I'm not going to tell you what the news is saying. I'm not going to tell you what popular ideologies are saying. I'm not going to tell you what makes feel make you feel good. I'm going to tell you what thus saith the Lord. And that's where you come to church. If you don't want to come, if you want to hear the word of God, don't come to church. Or go to another church where they talk about other stuff. So, the Bible. What does the Bible say? I'm glad you asked. Psalms 139, beginning at verse 13. <laughs> Are y'all ready? I feel like preaching a little bit now. For you did form my inward parts. You did knit me together in my mother's womb. I will confess and praise you for you are fearful and wonderful and for the awful wonder of my birth. Wonderful are your works and that my inner self knows right well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being formed in secret and intricately and curiously wrought as if embroidered with various colors in the depths of the earth, a region of darkness and mystery. The psalmist says that while I was in my mother's womb, God was forming my inward parts and knitting me together and designing the kind of person that I would be. Let me tell you something. When I back in the day, you all being dark skinned wasn't in. Y'all don't know nothing about that. I, 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 I was born in 1966, but uh, long before Kevin Hart and Wesley Snipes came along and gave dark people some credibility, it was all light-skinned people on TV. And, and, and if you were dark-skinned, it wasn't cool. And I didn't like my skin color because I was too dark and I was too short. I'm like, my God, I'm short, I'm dark, and I'm poor. I didn't have any money. I, I wasn't tall. And I hated the way that I looked. I hated the... And then don't let media add more stuff to it because 
because media it will say if you don't have this length of hair and if you don't have this kind of nose and if you don't have these kind of lips and if you don't have this kind of gear then you don't look attractive and some of y'all right now are viewing your level of beauty by what social media is saying and you're viewing your level of beauty by what society is dictating beauty is but can I tell you a secret while you were in your mama's stomach God said I'm gonna make you the way that I need to make you and you are wonderfully and fearfully made now I thank God that I'm dark now I thank God oh come on now I thank God that I'm chocolate I thank God that I'm short I thank God that I spit when I preach because this is the way that God made me and can't nobody beat me at being me and can I tell you something can't nobody beat you at being you you better thank God that you were made the way you were made don't you let some Negro don't you let some man or some woman tell you you ain't beautiful and you ain't all of that you say I, I'm beautiful by myself I don't need your approval I don't need your validation to determine whether or not I look good or not I've been wonderfully and fearfully made by God you better hear me now not only did he decide how you look he decided how you would be your temperament and your personality you came out the room running things you can you came out the womb. You had all your dolls in order telling them which one to sit down because you came out the womb being a boss. You came out the Come on now. You were, you were made the way you were made for a reason. I got straight A's in school for every subject but conduct. And they said... That boy's mouth is going to get him in trouble. Oh, they were being prophetic and didn't know it. Yeah, that mouth was going to get me in some trouble, but it wasn't the kind of trouble they thought about. It was going to trouble with the devil. The devil was going to be trouble at the fact that my mouth was going to be able to communicate the word of God with clarity and with anointing. And black people and white people and young people and old people and thugs and church folk and unchurched folk would all come together because of the gift of God that's on me. I don't know who you are and I don't know how God made you. But don't let the world tell you that you've not been wonderfully and fearfully and purposefully designed. You're not an accident. Tell somebody next to you, I'm not an accident. <laughs> Jeremiah 1. Can I preach this? Jeremiah 1, verse 5. Before I formed you. Now, let me just look up this way. It took your mama and your daddy to be the vehicles that got you here, but it was God's idea of you before they even met. <laughs> God said, before I formed you, it wasn't your mama or your daddy that formed you. It was God that formed you. And he had pre-knowledge of you before there was a you. <laughs> He had pre-knowledge of you before you were even on the scene. Before I formed you in the womb. Before there was a you, he said, I knew and approved of you. <laughs> Isn't that something? God said, I approved of you before there became a you. And if God approves of me, what the heck am I trying to win your approval for? God says, I approved of you as my chosen instrument. And before you were born, I separated and set you apart, consecrating you and appointing you as a prophet of the nation. Now, 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 let me be biblically correct. This is a direct conversation with God and Jeremiah. So many of us will say, oh, that's my scripture, that's my text. Well, it's not necessarily your text. He's called me, he's separated me to the nations. You, you ain't called to the nations, you just call over to Finkel and maybe over there on Grand River, Gratiot. You ain't called to the nations. This is a specific conversation between God and Jeremiah, but the implications are that, God, that Jeremiah was not some one-off. That God said, what I'm saying about Jeremiah's birth and, Jeremiah, and my foreknowledge of him, I can also say that there is foreknowledge about you. If God knows everything before anything starts, then he knows also about you. And he knows what you were intended to be and what you're intended to do. And that's why some of y'all, uh, ain't nothing that you're going to do going to work right till you get into the will of God. Some of y'all are doing all kind of stuff and it ain't working. And you're wondering why it's not working. It's not working because you were not intended to do it.
Sometimes you're upset at God for shutting stuff down. But some of y'all ain't got enough sense to follow God. So he says, you know what? I'm going to shut some stuff down since you don't know how to shut it down yourself. Some of y'all been in relationships that God cut off because he said, you know what? Where I'm taking you, you can't be attached to that. And you, you think your heart is broke right now. Stay in a situation that's not of God. Stay in a situation that's intended to destroy you. God has moved some people out of your life because of where he's taking you. Some of y'all had jo doors closed clothes in your face couldn't get a job with all of your degrees and all of your attainment and wonder why can't I keep that job because God knew I got something else for you and if you stick in that place you'll become complacent and you'll become uh, satisfied with something less than what I call so let me shut some stuff down and so you all God knows some things about you and he says I've called you I've appointed you I've got some approval that I have uh, of you Long before there was a you, God is giving us in each of these texts information that life does not start when you come out the womb. Because each of these texts is God talking about life in the womb. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you and approved of you in the womb. So if being in the womb ain't life, what is he approving? He's approving life that's in the womb. Isaiah chapter 44, verse 24. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, and he who formed you from the womb. I'm the Lord who made all things, who alone stretched out the heavens, who spread out the earth by myself, who was with me. The Lord reminds us in Isaiah that again, I, the Lord, your Redeemer, who formed you from the womb. Well, some of y'all say, well, y'all got all them Old Testament scriptures, Pastor. That's the Old Covenant. I'm not involved in the Old Testament stuff. I, I'm in the New Covenant. I'm in the New Testament. Well, let's go over to the New Testament then. Galatians chapter 1, verse 15. Galatians 1 and 15. But when he who had chosen and set me apart even before I was born and had called me by his grace, his undeserved favor and blessing saw fit and was pleased. Paul, when he writes to the church at Galatia, says, I'm talking about God who chose and set me apart even before I was born and had had called me by his grace let me say this to you. You, you you don't know this but but since you were even in your mother's womb God has been calling you by his grace some of y'all have, have tried to run away from God and try to run away from the things of God and none of those things brought you joy none of those things brought you life none of those things brought you meaning why because in your mother's womb, God had already called you to a higher life. Have you ever wondered why you never fit in? Have you ever wondered why when you tried to back it up and drop it like it's hot and spin it around, that it never tend to work the way you want it to work? Have you ever wondered why when you tried to look like a hoochie mama, it didn't really work? You know how you tried to go there and say, I'm going to wear this. I don't care what nobody say. I'm going to accentuate what God gave me. And it just didn't work. Wasn't nobody even hollering at you. Have you ever wonder why all of your plans to, to, to be a sinner I'm gonna be a sinner I'm gonna be a sinner and then none of your sinful plans work why does God always bring you back to one why does he always bring you back to the old landmark why does he always bring you back to holiness why does he always bring you back to his promises because before you were in your mother's womb he had his hand on you he loves you he's been walking with you even when you were not walking with him is there any Anybody here that's hearing what I'm saying have you ever walked away from God but he was still walking with you listen if God be for you can't nobody be against you even you oh my god I've been
been against me. But even when I was against me, God was for me. And when God be for you, it ain't nothing that the world can do against you. Let me tell you something. You are so blessed, you can't even help it. You are so anointed, you can't even help it. You are so getting ready to enter into what you were born to do, you can't even help it. That's why all hell is breaking loose. Because it, it is darkest before the dawn. You better hear me. You better hear me. The darkest moment at night is before the dawn begins to break. And I don't know who's in that dark space. I don't know who's in the darkness of your life right now. And you're wondering why it's so dark. Because God's glorious light is getting ready to break through in the situation. But you got to hold on and you got to be faithful and you got to trust him. Tell somebody next to you, trust him. Come on, tell them like you really mean it. Tell them, trust them, trust them, trust them, trust them. You may not feel like it. It may be difficult, but trust them. One more scripture, one more scripture. Can I finish? In the four minutes and 34 seconds I got. Luke's gospel, chapter one. Hallelujah. Life. Life. Listen, let me just say this as we turn to Luke 1. Um, to be, listen, to believe that life begins at conception or that life begins in the womb means that you're, your legislating needs to follow your theology. Your legislature your laws, your law, how you view law needs to line up with what God says. I don't know. See, I don't like them people. Them old, all them old white folks, they always, ain't got nothing to do with white folks. Ain't got nothing to do with Republicans. Ain't got nothing to do with a party. It has to do with what thus saith the Lord. I don't care if you're Democrat, Independent, Green Party. If you line up with the scripture, then when it comes to that subject, I'm going to line up with you. I'm not going to line with someone who is not aligning with how God sees things. And so for all of y'all that get angry when laws are passed and wonder who in the world would ever support such a law, at least understand how they could think this way. You may not agree with it even now. And that's, what's, that's so awesome, God gave us free will. You got a choice to not believe it. But I'm just letting you know, if, if there's not somebody fighting for somebody that don't have no voice, listen, I'm, I'm a black man, I'm grateful. Uh, my friend Freddie Haynes and pastor of the Friendship uh, West Church down in Dallas, he just uh, became the head of Rainbow Push. Uh, he's now the successor of Jesse Jackson. I'm grateful for people who fought for my rights. I'm grateful that when I didn't have a voice, somebody fought for me to have a voice because I wasn't allowed to vote and I wasn't allowed to. Anybody grateful for the forefathers that fought for us? Now listen, with the same hand claps, of gratitude that you have for those who fought for the voiceless, there's nobody more vo voiceless than an embryo. So, well, uh, so if you're in a situation where you're like, well, Pastor, I don't really want this baby, that's fair. Because some, can I tell you something? Not every pregnancy is planned. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh, but you know, you'd be like, Lord God, <laughs> I thought I had it wrapped up and ready, ready to go. What happened? There are adoptions. There are options that the church and others will work with you to consider. I'm not telling you what to do with your body. That this, this is not that sermon. This has nothing to do with that. But I'm letting you know, don't let the world set a narrative for you that God is telling me that life begins with this, this life that's in my womb, but I don't think I have a choice. Like, what, I don't want it. What, what can I do with it? Do you know how many people are waiting for a baby? Do you know how many people are waiting and believing God for an adoption? And I know it may be difficult, 
for you to carry this child or carry this baby to term. But I encourage you to say, you know what, God? I, I was not a planned pregnancy. My life was not a planned pregnancy. It was so unplanned that uh, I don't want to get into some details because I'm on the internet, but uh, it was extremely unplanned. How many of y'all know you were not a, necessarily a planned pregnancy? But how many of y'all glad you got here? Amen. I didn't know my father. I was mad at my father for abandoning me. And you left me. I didn't even know you growing up. I'm, I got daddy issues. But when I finally realized that because of that Negro I got here, when I got a chance to meet him, I said, what's up, bro? <laughs> I ain't never met you a day in my life, but what's up? Thank you, brother. Because because of what you and my mama did, I got here. So, brother, give me a high five. I don't know your name. Don't know nothing about you, but that's what's up. Thank you for getting me here. I don't know what your story is. I don't even know if your parents were abusive. I don't even know if you didn't like the family you grew up in. Let me tell you something. They may not have been the best of parents, but God allowed you to get here. Are you hearing me? He allowed even the most dysfunctional parents to get you here. So you need to forgive that old crazy uh, absentee father and say, I know you weren't in my life, but thank God you got me here. You better thank that mama that wasn't always able to give you what you needed and be the nurturing mom that you needed. But guess what? Mama got you here. So you ought to say, God, I thank you. <laughs> Lastly, Luke chapter 1, verse 39. You know this story. And at that time, Mary arose and went with haste to the hill country, to a town of Judah. You know, this is Mary, the mother of Jesus. Now, Mary uh, is expecting. She's got baby Jesus on the inside of her. Now, now, what if people thought that baby Jesus was not alive? Jesus, you know, you just an embryo. You just, you just some zygotes and some chromosomes. You just, no, no, no. Uh, so, so she now gets to go see her cousin. So as she went to the house of Zechariah, and entering into it, she said, what's up, Elizabeth? She saluted Elizabeth. Watch this now. And it occurred that when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with and controlled by the Holy Spirit. Well, if life doesn't begin until the baby is born or the baby takes its first breath or the baby is able to be self-sufficient outside of the mother, then what was happening on the inside of Elizabeth's womb when Jesus showed up? The Bible says that when Mary came carrying Jesus, uh, Elizabeth, who was carrying John the Baptist, it said that the baby started doing somersaults on the inside of her because even the unborn baby recognized that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is coming close to where I'm at. You better hear me now. You, even a baby got enough sense to know how to worship. Even a baby got enough sense to know how to give God the glory. That's why I don't turn. You see me sitting here. It's not that I'm not interested in looking at you. I like to see all of y'all. I never know how many of y'all even here because I never turn my direction to look at you because I didn't come to look at you. I come to worship God. I bring my tambourine with me. I know y'all think I'm crazy. Why does he have a tambourine? Because God has been that good to me. I remember when I couldn't walk. I remember when I couldn't couldn't speak. I mean, when I was in hospice, but God raised me up from the dead. You mean to tell me I'm not going to give him the glory and I'm not going to give him the praise? Let me tell you, if Mary's baby has enough sense to give God the glory, then maybe you ought to realize that on the inside of me, I need to give Jesus the praise because every time he comes close to me, I can't help but say, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Y'all, I'm sorry. Sometimes I get so worked up because when I think about how good Jesus has been to me and how awesome he has been to me and the things he has done for me and not only for me, but just who he is. He ain't got to do nothing else. He is king of kings all by himself. He is Lord of lords. That means I worship. Oh, come on, somebody. Oh, let me finish. Let me finish. Verse 42. <laughs> She cried out with a loud cry and then exclaimed, blessed, favored of God above all other women are you. And blessed, favored of God is the fruit of your womb. And how have I deserved that this honor should be granted to me that the mother of my Lord shall come to me. Now, this was her cousin who now becomes the mother of her Lord. You better be careful how familiar you are with holy people. 
Let me just say this now, just cause, uh, now listen, y'all, y'all know I'm not one of them funny unacting pastors, but let me just say something. Don't, 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 don't handle sacred things without an understanding that you're in sacred territory. Uh, see, see, one moment she was her cousin, but the next moment she was the one carrying the master. And there was a different conversation she had with the one carrying her Lord than her cousin who she used to always kick it with. There are times, you all, that when you're in the presence of God, you need to realize that sometimes God is doing something inside of you that people around you don't understand. Have you ever wondered that the bigger that Jesus gets on the inside of you, the more that people that are not like him can't stand you? Have you ever wondered that the closer you get to Jesus and the closer you get to holiness and the closer you get to being who God has created you to be, the haters begin to increase because the devil doesn't like to see who you're becoming but I thank God that there's some people who see who you are there's some people when they see you growing in God they begin to leap in their spirit that Jesus is on the inside of you I'm so grateful that God is growing on the inside of you you may not be where you want to be but you're not where you used to be come on somebody is there anybody here that knows I'm not everything I need to be now I got some stuff that ain't right and I, I got some stuff I'm working on it you gotta really deal with my attitude sometimes I, I cuss sometimes and I I'm, I'm, I'm in a process. I'm in a journey. But guess what? In the middle of that journey, the Lord is walking with me. And the Lord has not left me. You may not like me. You may kick me to the curb because of my journey. But God does not kick me. Oh, you better hear me now. She says, who am I that I would be favored now with this fruit of your womb? Verse 43. And how have I deserved that this honor should be granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold... The instant the sound of your salutation reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Oh, you can't tell me that life does not begin at conception. You can tell me whatever you want to tell me. You can give me whatever kind of narrative you want to give me about what the world is saying. I will not look at life from a worldly standpoint, from a godless standpoint from a secularized standpoint but I will look at what life is through the lens of scripture and let me just say to you you may not want to do that that's your choice but then be willing to deal with the consequences of deciding that you are God and you can decide what's life and what's not so just as quickly as you can decide that that ain't life you give somebody else the power to decide that you ain't life. <laughs> For the same measure that you meet, it will be measured and met back to you. So when you decide to say, I can decide above God's word what I believe life is. And then if I terminate it, if I end it, so be it. Then somebody can go back in time and say, black people only have two thirds of a soul. You do know that's what we had when we came off the slave ships. That's what made the original colonizers able to preach and feel good and have us as slaves because we were not human. We're the only people group who had to be written into the Constitution as human. Which means if we can be written in, we can be written out. So be careful how you decide what's worthy of being categorized as life. Because at one point, you were not categorized as life. My prayer in these series of messages is never to make anybody feel as though they're being attacked. If you are a mother and you're struggling and you're dealing with the fact of being pregnant, and you're saying, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't know this Bible stuff. I don't know this Christian stuff. And I feel like I'm being beat up on. That's not the intention. We're a Christian church trying to understand how to see the world. And your situation is unique. And your situation is particular to you. I pray that you would get godly counsel. I pray that you would seek the counsel of people that care about you. That care about your situation. But that also will maybe give you some information that might make you see it a little differently. The end of this is never to make anybody feel as though they are personally being attacked. 
I know the enemy will make you feel that way. If you're, if you're expecting right now and you've already made the decision, I don't want this baby. It's your decision. But one thing I know about the Holy Spirit, I've been in ministry a long time. It's no accident that you're hearing this message right now. What are the chances that in the midst of all that you're going through, a church would be preaching and teaching on where does life start? My prayer for you is that you would make a biblically informed decision and that we as a church would have a biblically informed view of what we believe the word of God says about life. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Heavenly Father, it has always been our intention as a church to lift you up, to let your name be praised, to let your word be a lamp to the feet of your people, to let your word be a light on the path for your people. The world is a dark place, and God, we need your word to give us light. And so, Holy Spirit, would you help us now to see things the way that you do? And then respond the way that you would have us to. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, maybe you're listening right now and you say, Pastor, I, I, I don't know Jesus. I've never given my life to him. I don't even know what that means. Well, simply it means this. Jesus came as the son of God so that you and I who are sinful by nature, we just, we, we just prone to do things that we know are not right. It's our nature. He came to give us a new nature. He came to take our sinful nature and nail it to the cross. He came to give us his nature, which is peace, joy, life, goodness, the fruit of the spirit, the gifts of the spirit. But the only way you can receive those is to just surrender to him. And what does that mean? To just acknowledge I'm not in charge of everything. I know that there's somebody bigger than me. And so if that's you right now listening in person and online and you would say, you know what, Pastor, I know that I need a Savior. I know that I'm not running stuff. I need Jesus. All we're asking that you do is to just surrender by praying to say, Jesus, I give you my heart. I let you, I let you into my decision making. One of the great things about having heard what you just had a chance to experience is that your faith has gotten stronger. There's no way that you could have heard this message and your faith has not been increased. But where do we go? How do we move from faith to faith? The Bible is very clear that if you have not really made the greatest decision of your life, which is to become a Christian, you've really missed the great joy of the journey. So wherever you are, if you would like to have a personal relationship with Christ, do what the scripture says. Call upon the name of the Lord and you can be saved. Pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart. I receive you now as my Savior and as my Lord. I'm trusting you and only you to direct my life in Jesus' name. Congratulations, wherever you are, that means that you have become a believer. For those of you that are already believers, your faith is now stronger. Don't be merely a hearer but be a doer and let's change the world. If you just prayed that prayer, you have an opportunity to reach out to us and we would be honored to serve you and help you in your journey. Uh, please contact us at area code 313-871-FORT or please visit us on our website, citadeloffaith.org. That's simply spelled C-I-T-A-D-E-L of faith. Org, all one word. We would love to hear your testimonies. We would love to hear your prayer requests. Know that you're in a partnership with us and you're not in the journey alone. Let's change the world together, one person at a time.